You're listening to the Co-Main Event Podcast. And now your hosts, Ben Folks and Chad Dundas. That's right. You're listening to another episode of the Co-Main Event Mixed Martial Arts Podcast. I'm Chad Dundas, along with Ben Folks, as always. We're both senior writers in MMA for The Athletic, and we meet here every single week to chop up all the prominent, newsworthy, and hilarious happenings in the world of mixed martial arts. Ben, we got a lot of ground to cover today, Mm -hmm. and in fact, uh, some breaking news. I'm not not breaking news, but historic happenings here on the Co-Main Event Podcast. I know what you're talking about. But... We got to start with your face, because right now you have a piece of gauze taped over the bridge of your nose with a piece of athletic tape, probably about eight inches long, and uh, it's really it's really cutting a, a figure here. You're really uh, I'm not sure what to say about it other than to ask you what on earth is going on with your face, Chad. As you no doubt recall, I once was a great beauty. I was a beautiful man, as recently as last week. And I come to you today to tell, I mean, I guess it's one of the oldest stories there is. It's, it's the story of Paradise Lost, really, because uh, my beauty has been stolen from me. Nay, nay, Chad, it has been stolen from the world. Now, I, I'm a monster. I'm horribly disfigured, and I'll, I'll never be the same. That once I can again, see that you have questions. This is and a, concerns. This is a terrific bit for an audio show. Once again, <laughs> there's a live streaming element. There's like ten people watching that. Listen, what happened to your face? Why do you have this outlandish get up taped all over part of your face? I, I suffered an injury in a hockey game. It's true. The reports are true, and. Uh, now I am hideous to look upon. My visage causes children to run and scream, old ladies to faint. I'm not fit to be out in public. I'm certainly not fit to be seen on the, the internet like this. How did you suffer this injury? Did a, did a fly land on your... You want to see it? On the Is that what you nose? want? Is that what you want? You want to see... You want to look into the abyss, Chad Dundas? I would, I would feel better if you took the tape off fine, because it's fine. going to be distracting you know for you know me. What? If you want to see it, you want, you want this horror? That was, is that what you want? I'll bring the horror into your life. I'll bring it. We'll see if you still want it once you've got it. He's taking the tape off. Look! Look upon me! It looks like... Some fan of the opera shit is what you're thinking. It's not, it's not quite a half-inch cut right there on the bridge of your nose. It's terrifying. What happened? You get hit by the puck? No, I got a whole face shield to protect me for that, man. Did uh, someone forget to trim their fingernails? The hand got up under your visor and gave you a little scrape? You can't get up under my visor. You wish you could, but you can't. Did did your helmet slip down over the top of your head and hit you on the bridge of the nose? Hit hit me on the bridge of the nose. All right, then. I know what you are really thinking, though, was did this horrific, life-altering injury happen in the service of a great victory? Yes, it did. Yes, it did. And I'm going to say this. Even though I'm now, you know, n- not the beauty I want, not the Adonis that you knew before. Now I'm reduced to the looks of a mere mortal, your regular Chad Dundas. Uh-huh. I have to go through life like this, like you have been going through the entirety of your life. I'm going to say, worth it. Worth it. I have seen a four-year-old... See, it's so uncomfortable to wear my glasses. Respond. Though, it, the, it comes right down on the bridge of the nose, right where the cut is. With fewer histrionics over a larger injury than what you're sporting over there right now. I can see that it pains you to look at me. Well, it's always pained me to look at you. That's nothing new. I'm sorry to hear that your season had to end this way, that you will probably never play hockey again. I'm playing tonight. There's another game tonight. Can we move on to actual business here? Sure. Or are we, are we going to keep my beauty is nothing? Yeah. No, I get it. Are we going to keep discussing your horrible disfigurement? I assume we'll discuss it for months to come. We kind of got an ain't shit going on episode of the Co-Main Event podcast this do week. Do you have a cough drop in your mouth? I do. 
Yeah, I have a cold. You're going to do a podcast with a cough drop in your mouth. I'm going to do a, co- a podcast with a cough drop in my mouth. You're going to do it with a pillow taped over your face. I rem- You wanted to see the horror, so I took that off. Still, the glasses, it just it bothers well, the, me. The cough drop is almost gone also. So I can hear it crunching. People can hear it crunching. It's almost over. It's almost done. We're going to do something we've never done before. Something wild, really. On this episode of the Co-Main Event Podcast. First time ever. The power rankings are taking over the CME proper. Patrons of the show will know and recognize the power rankings from the Friday CME Patreon Power Hour. Some have said the best program we do here under the Co-Main Event Podcast banner. A lot of people have said it's the best program in the history of broadcasting. Usually on that show, we take a deep dive into a single topic for about the first half of the show. The second half of the show, we run the power rankings. The most powerful, the most influential, the most popular, the most death-defying, the most fear-inducing recurring segment on any podcast all over the world. Today, as a special treat, and also because there ain't really shit going on, we're going to bust out the co-main event podcast, Patreon, Power Hour, Power Rankings, here on the regular co-main event podcast. First time in history. I have two questions that must be addressed immediately. Okay. One, should people take this as a sign that perhaps the power rankings are becoming too powerful, spreading beyond their normal borders, invading the rest of the world soon to consume the entire earth and therefore is now the time to panic and run fleeing to their bunkers i can't answer that okay question two should this maybe serve as a reminder to regular listeners of the podcast who are not patrons of the cme that hey it'd be real cool if they were and if they helped support this here podcast and then they could get the power rankings in their life every single week I mean, you said it, not me. Let's just say that we do this podcast every week, free of ads, free of encumberments, unfettered with the discourse. Unfettered as a motherfucker. The thumb of the man, not upon us. And if people like what we do here on the Co-Main Event Podcast, the best way to support the show is to go over to the Patreon website, patreon.com slash co-main event. Sign up for the Patreon. You can join at a $1 level, $5 level, or $10 level. You get all kinds of perks. All kinds. And if you join at the $5 or $10 level, you get access to the Friday Co-Main Event Podcast Power Hour, where we do the power rankings every single week. So if you like what you hear today, I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm just going to tell you where you can find more power rankings. And that's on Friday during the CME Patreon Power Hour, which you can get as a 5 or $10 patron of the Co-Main Event Podcast. Contribute to its power. Become Maybe. coerced by its power. Yeah. Fall under its spell, under its sway. Consumed by its power, one might say. One of us eventually will no doubt become consumed by its power. See, you can tell how unfettered this show is. I couldn't go on a regular corporate-ass show looking like this. They wouldn't allow it. The man wouldn't allow it. I'd be... Shipped out of here, replaced by some sparkly young intern. God, if only. I'd love to have a sparkly young intern over here sitting opposite. Me too. Instead of this horrifying... Yeah. No, I should be... Knife wound of a podcast partner. Limping around the back of a theater somewhere. I'm betting that the people on the live stream can't even see the wound from where they are. You gotta see it. From about three or four feet away, you just... You can't even see it. It's horrible. It's like you got a paper cut between the eyes. It's like I can see people out on the street and they 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 can't bring themselves to look at me. It's an elephant man type scenario. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. correct. We got 14 items on the 14. power rankings this week. We'll be counting them down from 14 to 1 over the next hour and change. Do you have any last words before we dive into this thing? I um I just received a missive in my inbox. Uh, not only it seems do we have the plot twist in the terms of the power rankings coming to the regular CME podcast, at least for today, but you know our friend Sir Nigel? I've heard of him, yes. Noted theatricalist, friend of the podcast. He, who usually, if he appears at all, appears on the Monday episode of the podcast, 
will this week be appearing on Friday's Power Hour. What? That's what the missive says. You're telling me, sitting there, yeah. that Sir Nigel Longsock is going to be making his first ever appearance on the Co-Main Event Podcast Patreon Power Hour this Friday. That's what I'm telling you, according to the missive. Did this wound that you suffered in your hockey game somehow scramble your brains, sir? Because that could not possibly be true. We'll see. We'll just have to wait for Friday and find out. Wow. Sir Nigel Longstock appearing on Friday for the Power Hour. That is that is big news. Up is down. Left is right. A beautiful man becomes a horrible monster. What a week, huh? Number 14 this okay. week, Ben. All right, yeah. Ben Askren. This, was, this is late breaking. This just happened today. That's... That's how flexible the power rankings are. Yeah. Ben Askren went on the Ariel Helwani show over there on uh, ESPN to announce that he is once again retiring from mixed martial arts. This is the second retirement in the career of Ben Askren. This one, of course, comes on the heels of back-to-back losses over there in the UFC. Of course, he had the five-second knockout at the hands, or rather at the knee, of Jorge Masvidal at UFC 239 back in July, and then the technical submission by Damian Maya in October of this year. Sounds like there are some injuries, a hip perhaps, that's been physically hampering Ben Askren, so he is going to hang it up again the age of 35 with a career record of 19-2-1, and one, the last three fights of his MMA career in the octagon after we waited for years and years for him to come to the UFC. How are you going to remember Ben Askren, I guess, as a contributor to MMA, Ben? It's a really tough question, especially with it all so fresh in our minds, because it feels like one of those situations where you can do the the tired wired comparisons the old conventional wisdom on Ben Askren was that he might be the most boring but for all we know best welterweight in MMA and we'll never get a chance to find out yeah because the UFC didn't want him uh, he got out of his Bellator contract only to find out that the UFC wasn't going to sign him ended up going over there to one FC which then became one championship dominated there for a while but then seemingly got bored with it or whatever and then retired undefeated and it seemed like if you wanted to use that as a kind of a cudgel against the UFC or to express concern that the UFC had its thumb too heavily on the scales of MMA it could be like hey look Ben Askren never gets a chance What kind of bullshit is that? Then, not only does he get a chance, comes out of retirement to sign with the UFC in this kind of unprecedented quote-unquote trade of talent between UFC and uh, one championship, but then really makes himself into a thing. And not with fighting, necessarily. Just uh, over time, has kind of built himself up into a personality that fight fans care about, even if they the way they care about it sometimes is that they hate him. And yet, when he gets to the UFC, it's kind of a goddamn trail of tears for him. Yeah. Well, let's say this. like The UFC career of Ben Askren started on something of a high note, like well, UFC 235 against Robbie Lawler. Well, Not only did he get the win there, but there was some controversy. It seemed like if you were a fan of what Ben Askren had been doing for years outside the UFC, like... It almost couldn't have gone better for him to come in and like not only defeat Robbie Lawler officially on the books, but also, you know, have some shit to say afterward, have some controversy that it inspired, kind of be thrust right into the uh, the dominant conversation at Welterweight moving forward. And then things kind of came off the rails for him. And maybe there was a sign, you know, early on in that Robbie Lawler fight as to how things were going to go for Ben Askren in the UFC. But he did get the win there. Of course, the losses to Masvidal and Maya to back that up. Do you think that we will remember Ben Askren first and foremost as like a personality yes. and not necessarily the in-ring technician, which he legitimately was? Yes, but I don't think there's a whole lot of people out there coming up with lists of their top five favorite Ben Askren fights. Yeah. I mean, to the extent that they have any, I think... Ben Askren versus Jorge Masvidal is at the top of a lot of people's list, which is not not very flattering to him. And yet, I think it's not so bad if people remember you as an MMA personality first. Because I don't think anybody's out there going like, well, this guy could never fight. 
this guy wasn't any good at any point. Because, no, you saw him in Bellator. You saw him in 1FC. The guy could actually do it. He was a legit wrestler who managed to bring that over to MMA in a way that worked against a lot of people. Even if, you know, by the time he got to the UFC, maybe he just physically wasn't at his best anymore. And then a couple of tough fights for him. Especially, I think, being forced to retire by something like this, like a debilitating hip injury, where he said he used the term knee or hip replacement, but then when he described it more, I don't know if we're talking about, you know, a normal full hip replacement, but a lot of wrestlers have dealt with this. Mark Coleman, I believe, dealt with a, a hip replacement a few years ago. So it's as legit a reason to have to suddenly retire as yeah. anything I can imagine. But I also do think that the finality of it will make people go, well, now we don't have to wonder how he would have done in the UFC anymore. They feel like they know, even if maybe if he'd got in five years earlier, it could have been a different story. Who knows? Yeah. I wonder if Ben Askren will stick around the scene. My gut tells me no. I bet Ben Askren goes back to wrestling, uh, you know, hosts some seminars, maybe as a coach somewhere, kind of gets more and goes back to his roots, if you will, gets more involved in the amateur wrestling scene than like, you know, being a commentator on UFC or one, one championship or something I, like I that. I think he becomes a star of a Bitcoin podcast. Maybe there's a market That's my for prediction. It. Maybe there's a market for I don't for know that. exactly what a Bitcoin podcast would be like, but you know, if anybody could get me to try one out, maybe it'd be Ben Askren. Number 13 this week, Ben, Jan Blakovic or Jan Blakovich as we were saying on the broadcast over the weekend, wins a snoozer over Jacare via split decision in the main event of an altogether coma-inducing UFC Sao Paulo event on Saturday night. First of all, did you agree with the decision? Did you think Jan Blakovic, a.k.a. Jan Blakovic, deserved to win... On the the power hour, just so you know. ...deserved to win this fight over Jacare Souza? Uh, my official position is, yeah, I guess. I, it's it's really hard to have any strong opinions about this fight for me, except that I never want to sit through it again. That's my main point. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I mean, Jacques Array claiming he won, I guess my question has to be, how? How exactly? What exactly did you think you did that won it? Well, I mean, if you're going... Uh... Uh, strictly off the 10-point must system. I think you can make the argument that he won the first three rounds. How, though? By doing more and being positionally more dominant than Jan Blakovich. Like, not a lot happened during these rounds. And I will be the first to admit that in 2019, it's tough to win rounds uh, by pushing a guy up against the fence. Like, the the Randy Couture... Uh, game plan is more difficult to implement today. Judges aren't going to give you as much uh, of the nod if you're merely holding your opponent up against the fence. But I feel like in rounds where that's really all that happens, you got to give the nod to the guy who does that. And Jacare Souza clearly did it in the first, and I think maybe the third. The second, I think, was a little bit more uh, competitive than than those ones. So I guess if you wanted to give... Uh, Blakovich rounds two, uh, four, and five. You could do that. I thought Jacare was up 3-0 headed into these last two rounds. But again, like you said, the fight, it was close, and the fight was bad enough that I didn't want to spend a, a bunch of time talking about it or like wasted, putting a bunch of uh, uh, emotional time and energy into trying to figure out what the what the proper nod would be. But... I don't know, man. It's split decision, obviously, so it was a close fight. I just thought Jacare was going to get the nod here. I was a little bit surprised that Jan Blakovitz walks away with it. Well, let's talk about some stats. I know that in this sport, stats don't tell us everything. As soon as you start citing stats, you already lost. Can when, I you're pulling, when you're pulling stats out, that means you don't have a great argument nope. in mixed martial arts. Nope. Often it means that. In this one, I think, though, the stats tell a different story. Uh, in... Like, one thing, look at the striking stats. Now, I would agree with you maybe that striking stats don't tell the whole story if one guy is you know, taking the other guy down, mounting him, taking his back, and just completely dominating him otherwise. Or if the strikes themselves aren't all that you know, right. significant. But in the first round, 
Jan Blahovich landed 8 of 16 significant strikes, 17 of 25 total strikes. Uh, significant strikes for Jacare Souza in that first round? Two. Total strikes landed for Jacare? Seven of 14 attempted. Now, that trend kind of continues for all those rounds. Yeah, but I think that's one of those ones where, like, y- you can put the numbers out there, but, like, if you actually sit down and watch the fight, I don't know that I would call any of those strikes significant in- until, <laughs> okay. uh, when was the, Blakovich stumbled him in, what was it, the third or the fourth? He kind of, uh, uh, stunned him a little bit with a combination. I can't remember exactly which round it happened in. That was pretty much Jan Blakovich's like only significant striking exchange of the fight. Other than that, he's like throwing some leg kicks. He threw some punches, but like I would give the 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 majority of the action was controlled by Jacare. Controlled, but in a sense of like in a way that had the effect of making sure almost no action happened. And it's tough to win a decision that way. It's tough to win a decision when you your most dominant rounds were just that very little action was able to take place during those rounds. And like, that's why, I, I mean, if, if Jacare had won this decision, I would have also been like, okay, fine, sure. Yeah, it was close enough. Whatever. But the when the crowd is out there fucking around with their cell phones, playing playing games with the lights on their cell phones... That's a good sign that nobody is doing so much that they have really staked a claim on this fight. Yeah, it was not a great fight. I don't think anyone would make would make that argument. However, does what do you how do you feel about Jacare carrying on at light heavyweight? Because he comes into this clearly, we had seen uh, Chris Weidman move up to heavyweight and get KTFO'd by Dominic Reyes. We saw uh, Luke Rockhold move up and get knocked out by Jan Blachowicz himself. Previous to that, Anthony Smith and Tiago Silva had, or Tiago Santos had had uh, some success moving up to light heavyweight from middleweight. On which side of the aisle would you place Jock Array? Because, like, he loses this fight, but at the same time, he didn't lose it as badly as the other two guys we most recently saw come up from 185. Would you, would you want to see him stay at 205 or go back down to... Uh, to middleweight here. I mean, he might as well stay at 205. You're right that he didn't get blown out or anything, so it's not the kind of roadblock for him at light heavyweight that those guys face. However, remember before this fight, we expressed concerns about how Jacques Array's style would translate at light heavyweight against bigger fighters. Yeah. I don't know that I saw anything too encouraging about that here. I mean, I thought it translated better than I thought it would. He didn't get knocked out. He didn't get blown off, uh, blown out of the water against uh, Jan Blakovich here. Like uh, he controlled a good deal of the fight. Like he has that weird style. Like he almost has the style tailor made to produce a boring fight if he's not going to have his way. Because you clearly you saw uh, Blakovich not really want to get off with the strikes. He was a little bit tentative in this fight, especially after he broke his foot. Yeah. Uh, and then, by the way, Jacare Souza stomping on the broken foot. That's just mean. <laughs> That's just mean-spirited, man. Look, man, there's money at stake. I guess so. Stomping on a guy's broken foot. Uh, it's like Jacare Souza is the kind of guy where you don't want to go out there and make a mistake. So, like, he kind of... Uh, forces you into this shell. He forces you into this very conservative game plan. Uh, and like, if he's not able to really work his game against you, what you get is what we saw on Saturday night, which was mostly a stalemate. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll be interested to see him try it against somebody else. You could see, though, that there's a little bit of a size difference. And there yeah. are bigger guys than Blahovich in this division. And, and I'll be interested to see how that style plays against them. Because I could see that Jacare at 205 could make for some boring nights. That's very possible. Number 12 this week, Ben, there is not another UFC event until December 7th. We sit here today, November 18th, so it's about three weeks until we get to uh, another UFC event. Of course, you got Thanksgiving coming up next week. Number one, what are you going to do with that? With, with those Saturday nights? Number two... As much as we complain about the UFC's overstuffed schedule, are we all sort of officially slaves now to this quote-unquote new schedule, which has really existed, you know, since the dawn of the of the Fox era? But, like, we get three weeks with no UFC, and it's kind of like, oh, what now? Yeah. What now will be said of mixed martial arts? Man, 
it does make me feel like maybe uh, KSW should have timed that Puds fight a little differently. You're going to get more attention from me for the uh, guy who is grandfather and old and has no power. If you schedule him in here during this three-week drought, yeah. maybe for other people too. There's not a whole lot going on in this three-week drought. But, I, I mean, I don't feel like, from a media perspective, I feel like maybe the three weeks off is good. It forces you to do some other stuff and forces you to kind of get off of that carousel of just one event's over, you write about it a little bit, and then you have to turn right around and think about what's coming up on the next event. Uh, I don't mind that really at all. I wish, though, that I think a little bit of time between these events can be good, especially if there's a lot to digest from the previous event. And here, it's the exact opposite. There feels like nothing to digest from that event in Sao Paulo. It feels yeah. like the best thing we can do is kind of forget it happened, aside from one or two fights on that. And that's the exact opposite of what... Like, if you had gone from you know your BMF title fight or from you know the middleweight title fight or something and then had a few weeks off imagine like people were just kept talking about Israel Adesanya or kept talking about Jorge Masvidal and the yeah. idea they like would have had a lot more time to process it and then if you were building to something significant when you first come back like if you first come back and you got the big pay-per-view or something then people can get a chance to get hyped for that but instead you close on this Sao Paulo event you got three weeks and then you come back with the Washington DC event with uh Overeem and, and Rosenstruck and it's just kind of like eh, you're not exactly ending on a high note or coming back with a bang either. yeah would have been nice to get some momentum yeah headed into this break instead of uh what felt like kind of a snoozer that over there in, in Sao Paulo uh number 11 this week Ben we okay with uh Shogun Hua and Paul Craig running it back after their split draw Saturday night in the co-main event like you want to talk about a fight that turned out to be a snoozer in Blakovich versus Jacare. Shogun Hu and Paul Craig, I think, turned out to be better than we thought it would because we were over here wringing our hands about the future of Shogun Hua. Clearly, Paul Craig, not a world beater, not an elite member of the light heavyweight division. But at the same time, these two guys got there and had kind of a crackerjack leading up to the announcement of it being a split draw. I will say it was definitely not the fight I was expecting for Paul Craig to dominate it on the feet and yeah. then Shogun to dominate it when they hit the floor. That was not what I thought was going to happen. I don't think either one of those guys thought it was what was going to happen either. I mean, I don't have any better ideas for what they should do next. So, yeah. I, sure, fine. Might as well run it back. It's not like there's pressing business for either one of them right now that we're like, oh, no, we can't waste our time with this rematch. We need to get Shogun Hua up into this super important fight. I was just really surprised at... I mean, kind of just the way this unfolded, because Paul Craig has taken it to Shogun Hua in the first round, and then decides, you know what, I'm going to spend the next 10 minutes on my back. Kind of willfully, kind of not doing a whole lot. That's surprising to me. Yeah, comes out throwing spinning kicks and whatnot. Not what I expected. Hey, he was effective. Yeah, like, he looked good. He cracked him pretty hard in that first round. I guess if you were going to have another Mauricio Shogun Hua fight, you might as well have it against Paul Craig. Yeah, sure. I think everyone's preferred outcome would be that maybe he goes and like gets his real estate license or something. But like if he's not going to do that, if he's going to stick around, might as well put him out there against Paul Craig. How about this? He said, did he say before this one that he had two more fights like after this? I think that's what it was. Yeah. I'm just going to throw it out there. Trilogy. Shogun Hua. Craig. Shogun Hua Trilogy. Paul Craig Trilogy. I mean, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Let's see how the second one goes, and then we'll go from there. Just all you need, all I need in the second one is a little bit of controversy, and then we got to do it again. Got to. Number 10 this week, Ben, Charles Oliveira. He's kind of sneaky, sneakily historically good at this point. Gets the win over Jared Gordon via first round KO Saturday night, one of the few finishes on this card. That's his sixth in a row at 145 pounds. He has five performance of the night bonuses in that time. The only one that he didn't get a performance of the night bonus for his TKO victory over Nick Lentz. I mean, it's hard to get a performance of the night if you're fighting Nick Lentz, right? I mean, I would think if you put him away, that'd be a good way to do it. Still, didn't get it that night. That was at a UFC fight night back in May. He's creeping up on like the all-time list of finishes 
in the lightweight division, I feel like uh, Du Bronx is a guy that doesn't come to top of mind a lot in the 155 pound division, but like he's closing in on like uh, number one contender status, closing in on uh, being among the best finishers of all time at 155 pounds. Do you, do you think he's closing in on number one contender status? I mean, once it's... once we get current business taken care of, who knows? This says something about the lightweight division, right? That you win six in a row, and that's when people start going, oh, shit, how about that? Pretty good little run you put together here. You win six in a row as a heavyweight, and you are a goddamn legend. Yeah, golden god. Yes, you're an icon forever. You win six in a row at pretty much anywhere from middleweight to to light heavyweight to heavyweight. And not only are you in the title picture, you are the title picture. Yeah. And in lightweight, it's kind of like, that's when our ears start to perk up. Is well, that five or six in a row? And maybe the question at lightweight right now is how much fucking around we want to do. Right? Well, because... A considerable amount. I you're think. probably going to get Habib Nurmagomedov against Tony Ferguson. We hope and pray. That's the lightweight title fight everybody wants to see. You've got aggressively online former champion Conor McGregor. Mm. Calling out random days in January when he's going to fight somebody. We just don't know who. Could or, be an old guy in a pub for all we know. Or if that's actually going to happen. Then you got this field of guys like Justin Gaethje, Don Cerrone, Paul Felder, Dan Hooker, Kevin Lee, uh, Rage and Al. This heady brew of personalities at 155 pounds. Those guys are all swirling around up there. But who's to say any one of those guys is more deserving than Charles Oliveira of getting a title shot. The other guy is kind of separating him. Right now, he's ranked number 13, which is pretty far down the, the lightweight rankings. I don't know if these have been updated. I, don't, I wouldn't think so. But like Gregor Gillespie, Anthony Pettis, Edson Barbosa, those are the other guys ranked above him. I don't know. I, I mean, I feel like seeing him all the way down at 13 is a little bit misleading. He's closer than that, I would think, just because of the you know, the individual stories of some of the guys who are still currently ranked above him. Yeah, probably. But then it's, it seems like we all have gotten so used to just taking the incredibly talent, rich lightweight division for granted. Yeah. Cause it's like, well, there's no rush to fast track a guy like Charles Oliveira to a title shot. Just have him fight somebody else in the top 10 or top 15 and uh, sticking on another fight night event for ESPN Plus, either in Brazil or somewhere else, and just kind of do that indefinitely until you look around one day and it, it turns out that you have to deal with him because he's beaten everybody else. Right. That's just kind of what it seems like how we're... Especially if you don't have a huge personality that is just forcing yourself into that conversation. That seems like what we've just gotten used to at Lightweight. And a lot of those guys you mentioned... I mean, the UFC likes to do these things usually where... If a guy's on a win streak, give him somebody else who has some wins put together. And you mentioned those guys like uh, Gregor Gillespie and, and Edson Barboza and stuff. And those guys coming off losses. So, I don't know. What do, you, do you reach up all the way and put him Charles Oliveira and Kevin Lee? I, don't, I mean, I don't hate that fight. Neither do I. I mean, he's, he's such an exciting guy that you could put him out there with almost any of these guys ranked above him. You know, Dan Hooker would be a fun thing to do. Paul Felder would be fun. Uh well, that's what he he wants that rematch with Paul Felder, yeah. right? But I don't know. You know. Whenever I hear a fighter try to use his mic time to be like, hey, I lost to this guy once upon a time and I want it back. And it's like, man, I understand how for you that is important. You've been thinking about this, You've been thinking, that, the rest this of us, whole time. The rest of us felt like, oh, we wanted to see it. We saw it. We moved on. We've moved on, sir. That's that's part of the consulting business where fighters, when they Venmo us 40 bucks for their idea, and they're like, I want to call out a guy who beat me three years ago, and that's when we just text back, nope. Nope. Thumbs down emoji. Payment accepted. Nope. Number eight this week, Ben. Number nine this week. James Krause out here just keeps doing James Krause things yeah. in the UFC. Gets a win over Sergio Moraes this weekend. Uh, third round KO. That is his sixth win in a row at welterweight, or no, uh, second in a third, second in a row at welterweight. He kind of has been jumping back and forth here between lightweight and welterweight, but he's he's put together a good string of wins dating back to 2015. Uh, James Krause is like a smart guy, engaging when you talk to him. Yeah, he's a good interview. Uh, Owns a lot of Airbnb properties. Does he? Yeah, is that what he does? And I wrote a story about it for the Athletic a few months ago about how 
because I he had just had a fight, I think, or maybe it was even before the fight that he had in uh, August. Or, or no, that was in August 2018. So yeah, it's been a while since he fought. And I remember talking to him over the summer and I was like, man, you're on a winning streak. When are you going to fight again? And he was like, I don't know. We'll see. I got a bunch of other stuff I'm doing. Like owns the gym, uh, promotes a local MMA show, owns a bunch of rental properties. And if you follow him on the gram, which I recommend doing, just bought himself a, a nice house by a lake with a dock out in front. And he's just out there stand up paddle boarding. And you're like, yeah, I can see why you're not in a big hurry to fight. You don't really need to. Yeah, he's got other stuff going on. Runs a uh, independent MMA organization. Yeah. He's also a promoter. So James Krause has has lots of James Krause stuff going on. He's in a little bit of a similar position as Charles Oliveira, though, because he's won a bunch of fights in a row. He is, like I said, jumped back and forth between a couple of different uh, weight classes. So uh, James Krause not even really ranked at the moment, but has a an impressive streak of wins going. And I'm not sure where he lands or 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 you know what to do with him or what's next for him. It doesn't feel like he is is all that. Uh, worried about it either but at the same time he's he's creeping up there he's creeping up he's a let's say he's a fun guy to have around i'm glad james krause is at the party yeah he is and yet at the same time don't get overly used to seeing him at that party because you get the sense with him that he if he just doesn't feel like it's worth it anymore he might at any point be one of those guys who pops up and it's like oh yeah i retired six months ago i just didn't tell anybody yeah number eight this week ben Johnny Hendricks' voice. Oh, oh, oh man, oh, Hennen Barrow. Oh, you gotta, you gotta hit Hennen Barrow with the Johnny Hendricks voice. I mean, it's hard not to at this point, right? The guy loses to Douglas Silva de Andrade over the weekend. Uh, this was his return to featherweight after a long career, obviously at bantamweight. His uh, fifth loss in a row and his seventh loss in his last eight. We talked about this. Uh, on Friday during the Power Hour, a little bit last week, what do you do with the former monster? What what next for once and once upon a time a guy who is regarded as m- the monstrous Henan Barrow now just a shadow of his former self? I mean, he's tough as all hell still. Yeah, not I don't know that that's the best quality for that guy right no, now. No, by the end of this fight. He he looked like a different person, just in his face. He looked even more disfigured than I do Yeah. by the end of this fight. Hard to imagine. I know. Shocking to imagine. But the fact that he was still upright and conscious by the end of it was kind of surprising to me. And then my very next thought was, but is that just ultimately even worse? Does that mean that Hannah Brown is going to stick around and take more beatings than he needs to because he's too tough for his own good? Probably, yeah. yes. Like I'm not sure. Henry, it seems like if someone was going to talk to Henan Brown, be like, hey, man, maybe it's time for you to get your real estate license. That probably would have happened already, right? Probably has happened already. Let's. How about this, though? If the UFC lets Henan Brown walk, is Scotty Coke's on line one right after that? Man, I don't we know. We could use some featherweights over here, man. I guess so. What would you even do with him, though, if you were if you were Bellator? It's not like he's going to bring in a huge fan base. It's not like he's going to uh, draw a lot of eyeballs. I assume that you would have to pay him some money. I don't know that Hannon Barrow would be the number one ticket if you were Bellator. So you just want to go ahead and doom him to a life of bare-knuckle boxing. Is that what you're saying? You can't put that on Scotty Cokes, Jason man. Knight versus Hannon Barrow. Scotty Cokes can't live his life that way, Ben. On a river barge. He can't be hanging around thinking that he's got to sign Hannon Barrow or else he's going to show up in that weird circular ring. That they got over there. It's too much. You can't put that evil on Scott Coker. No, maybe he'll end up in one of those uh, Russian organizations where men stand there and open hands slap each other. <laughs> Is that what you want? Will that make you happy? I, did, I don't want any of this for Henan Burrow. Okay. And it's been that way for a while. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Number seven this week, Ben. Hold up. Linton Vassell beat Sergei Haritonov over the weekend at Bellator. Do you know this? No. Because when I... Found out that I was not going to be able to watch it live, and then I had I avoided the results. But then also, by the time it was available, I had moved on with my life. So no, didn't didn't catch up with that one. Second round TKO strikes on the ground. This was somewhat of an anticlimactic stoppage, but at the same time, Linton Vassell, 
former light heavyweight, moves up to heavyweight earlier in the year, lost his heavyweight uh, debut there in Bellator, and then turns around, beats Sergei Heratonov. Had a fight card in Tel Aviv, Bellator 234, that I'm just going to guess almost nobody watched. Broadcast and tape delay. See, somebody asked me about this in the athletic MMA mailbag today, uh, and they're like, their question was phrased as basically, how does Bellator in the year 2019, with both a TV deal and a streaming service, get away with a tape-delayed event without people getting all mad about it? And my answer was that maybe that's the benefit of having lowered expectations or having an event that people aren't exactly dying to see. Nobody's being like, damn it, you better bring me Linton Vassell and, and Sergei Heratonov live and direct to my eyeballs now or we riot. The matchup that. everyone's been screaming for. Yeah. Number seven this week, Ben. Nope, number six. Number it's too many. The power rankings are too powerful. It overloads my circuitry. Yeah. Number six this week, Roger Huerta. Drops to 0-3 in Bellator, also at this Tel Aviv card. He uh, he got defeated by... Sydney Outlaw? Sydney Outlaw. That can't be a real name. That's not a person, right? What? That's like a cartoon fox. Mm-hmm. Sydney Outlaw. And a wily fox. And his nickname, apparently, is De Gun. Sydney De Gun Outlaw. If your name is Sydney Outlaw, first of all, you don't need a nickname. Your name is Sydney Outlaw. So that's good enough. Also, De Gun? De Gun. Is that like Du Bronx? I think it's, is it trying to work with, like in association with the Outlaw? Well, an, an Outlaw would have De Gun. Yeah, but right? I mean, I feel like it, it's implied. You don't need to spell it out. I feel like you're missing an opportunity to be like Young Guns, Sydney Outlaw, first or something all, like that. Don't associate being young in your nickname. Then you walk out to Blaze of Glory. This guy was born in 1992, Chad. He's, He's not pretty he, young. He doesn't appreciate that reference. Still, would work for me. You want you want to get this the, the, the coveted 42-year-old dad demographic on your side here in Bellator? Okay. Young I'll, Guns. I'm not going to lie. If somebody w- was named nicknamed Young Guns... And they walked out to John Bon Jovi, yeah, singing "Blaze of Glory," yeah, music from the original motion picture "Young Guns 2. Man, all you need to show me is the sound tech and back inserting it in via tape, <laughs> putting the tape in there and hitting play, and then I'm like, all right, yeah, I'm totally on this guy's side. If you do that, you got to bring your own tape deck uh-huh. so that they can hook it up to the to the stadium PA system. Play yeah. your John Bon Jovi tape. Did you see a week or two ago when it was the state? anniversary of montana joining the union i tried to find the state song on youtube so i get some of the great content i put out there for my twitter followers uh-huh. uh so i typed in montana state song into into the youtube search it brought up a couple of like kind of shitty versions of the montana state song but over on the side you know where it says other videos you may enjoy or whatever and it's always like racist uh alt-right <laughs> yes. uh yeah. red people trying to red pill me uh, <laughs> don't let them red pill you man a blaze of glory was like the number one sort of suggestion. Okay. So I was like, that's even better. <laughs> I started out looking for one thing, didn't find it, found something better. That's called serendipity. Yeah, right AI there. knows what I want uh-huh. before I even know. This guy doesn't really want the what I want. state song. Speaking of people that have been through a lot, Ben, Roger Huerta, now 36 years old, has four wins in his last 15 fights. Man, it's kind of amazing to me that... Roger Hurts is still out here doing it. What is he hoping to gain, do you think, at this point? Put a couple wins together, close out the career on a high note, right? Although yeah, he did, he won two in a row back in 2016, 2017, did not walk away. Instead, what signed up with Bellator and went on this oh, three-fight Why drought. would you walk away then, man? You're on a hot streak. See? Do you see what happens? Do you see what happens? It's- Roger Huerta's losses includes such highlights as losing to War Machine at UWF1 Huerta versus War Machine, 2011. How did they possibly follow that up with UWF2? Well, no Wikipedia page here, so I'm guessing maybe that was a one-and-done type situation. The last guy that Roger Huerta beat that I have heard of, Clay Guida, Ultimate Fighter 6 finale. 
December 2007. Wow. Are you fucking kidding me? Things have not gone well for Roger Huerta since then. And there was a time when he seemed to have the world in the palm of his hand. On the cover sure of did. Sports Illustrated. Sure did. Number and now. F- number five this week, Ben. How about that real estate license? <laughs> I mean, we're putting together a hell of a real estate office here today. <laughs> yeah. If only either of us knew anything about real estate. Number five this week, Bellator is off to jolly old England next weekend. You got any tips for him? You were just over there. I was just over there. Um, you should go to uh, some pubs. Check out some pubs. I had a good time in, in various pubs. This is another one of those ones where it is billed as two events. Oh, good. I'm Bellator so London 2 slash Bellator 235. Why, though? Your main event is Michael Venom Page against somebody named Giovanni Melillo. I'm sure, first of all, nailed it. Second of all, I'm sure that he was chosen because the Bellator really wants to be in the Giovanni, whatever it is you said, business. 18 fights on this card. Of course, naturally. Yeah. I'm sure this isn't right, but only three of them are listed as being on the main card on the Wikipedia page that I'm looking at. Would you like to guess how many fighters on this card have their own Wikipedia pages? Uh, of this, There's 18 fights, so 18 36 five, fighters. 36 fighters on this card. Let me give you an over-under. Okay. Eight. Under. Seven. Wait, wait, hold on, you can't keep... Just, is seven the, the actual number? No. Do you want to take the over or the under? Under. Six. <laughs> under. Five. Under. It's five. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't really an option, but all right, yeah. Uh, I just looked up the odds right quick. Uh, first of all, it may shock you to learn that MVP is the favorite in this fight against Giovanna, Giovanni Melillo. Uh, want to just take a guess what the odds are? Six to one. About ten to one for MVP. Jesus. So that's what we're doing over there. Just back to our regularly scheduled program with MVP. Put him in the tournament. Got uh, knocked out by probably the, the best welterweight you got. Right back to can crush an agenda. Yep. Richard Kylie or Keeley and now Giovanni Malillo. Oh, come on. Giovanni Malillo. Stop that at once. What, you think I should go more Italian with it? Jesus Christ. I'm trying to get this show shut down. <laughs> Bellissimo! Giovanni Melillo! Why would you do this to anybody? Number four this week, Ben. My horrible disfigurement isn't enough for people to have to slip through. <laughs> How is Bare Knuckle FC going to be out here signing <laughs> the Iranian Hulk? Bruh. Is this is this really low? Is this or is this just uh, are we having a fun internet joke? Are we? Because I there's a there's a story here on MMA Mania. I mean I know, but I kind of hope I guess that BKFC is in on the joke. Come on, look at this guy. First of all, it's hard to believe that this is a real person. Yeah, he looks like that uh, that art. The guy who gets could survive a car wreck. It's like an internet meme, <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, how does this guy get places I in mean, the world? Not in a Prius. No. I mean, you're gonna fly this guy out to your BKFC event? Because already you're gonna the travel costs are gonna kill you because you're gonna have to get a whole row of a plane for him. Yeah. He better use the bathroom before he gets on the plane, because he's not fitting into the bathroom lavatory. Tell nope. you that right now. Nope. And Who then, does he fight? I mean, aside from the obvious, Polly Malignaggi. <laughs> right? The magic man? I mean, are, is this how we eventually just move around to like weird internet celebrity boxing? Except bare-fisted? Is that what BKFC is going to become? This guy has... Uh, 462,000 followers on Instagram. He yep. is, he, you know want to know how many people he's following? Eight. Well, that's kind of a power move right there. Yeah. Uh, for any inquiries, IranianHulk at gmail.com. <laughs> All right. See, I guess if you were going to force me to guess what his email address was, 
The only thing I would have gotten wrong, I would have, I would have said like Yahoo, Hotmail. Uh huh. It's mostly all the same picture, essentially. Yeah, it's him looking like a cartoon character. Yeah, it's amazing to me that this many people are uh, they're into this content. Also, ah, Jesus Christ! What? Now I'm I'm down the rabbit hole on this. Yeah. Why did you do this to me? I mean, you go for far enough down here, and there are some pictures of him in a like a black Jason hockey mask kind of a thing and a flak jacket. Here he is. <laughs> he is. Uh... If you're listening at home and you don't know what we're talking about, go to. Sayad Gary Garib. Yeah, that'll, that's helpful. Yeah, they, they got get him there. <laughs> they got it now. Uh, I guess you Google Iranian Hulk. Iranian Hulk. He'll probably get you there. He, his is the Instagram that describes him as a Persian Hercules. So I mean, it's hard to say that's not true. <laughs> I mean, do we even know if he's strong? Or does he just look weird? I mean, my guess is he's kind of strong. He's probably a little bit strong. But I bet you, I mean, I bet you I kicked this guy's ass in the mile oh, run. come on. In what? In the mile run. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What did you think I was saying in a fist fight? I don't know. I mean, can this guy move his arms enough to hit somebody in the face? He's got... Reliably? There are pictures on his Instagram where he superimposed the WWE logo on him. There are pictures on his Instagram where he's wearing UFC branded MMA gloves. Anybody can wear those gloves, Chad. I know, but I mean, I'm just saying, it looks like the Iranian Hulk is trying to catch on with someone. Okay. He's putting his best foot forward, and he's trying to catch on, make something of himself. Show me a video where he successfully throws and lands a punch at an intended target. Because you look at this guy, and it seems hard to imagine. No, I agree, but at the same time... Ben, if Bare Knuckle FC actually tells you that the Iranian Hulk is fighting somebody on Saturday night, you're watching. You are watching that shit. See? Damn it, I am. God damn it. I hate when they get me like that. Pauly Malignaggi. That's the matchup. Why do you go straight to the Magic Man? Don't you want to see the Magic Man knock out the Iranian Hulk? Don't you want to? Well, you're going to have to hold that one in an underground layer in a hollowed-out volcano. That's true. Nobody is sanctioning that shit. absolutely not. Speaking of whether or not you would watch it, number three this week, Ben, did you notice Jason Knight and Artem Lobov fought again over the weekend? Did Did you watch it? I've watched the highlights. Watched the finish. Uh, Honestly, first of all, is this where we use MMA math to declare Jason Knight better than Pauly Malignaggi? Better than multiple division boxing champion, Pauli Malignaggi. Well, Jason, Jason, Knight, so. Jason Knight has an idea, if that's if that's the goal. If you want to know how Jason Knight and Pauli Malignaggi match up, Jason Knight has an idea. They could fight each other. In a bathroom stall? That's what he wants to know after the Pauly fight is over. bring a friend. Pauli Malignaggi, meet me, meet me in, in the BFC ring. Or I think he said he'd fight him in boxing. Checkmate. Yeah, Jason, we're going to want to keep this one bare-fisted. Don't, you know, dance with who brung you in that regard. But honestly, we we talked about it when they first decided that they wanted to do this rematch. Because it was like, oh, this bloody, incredibly physically damaging fight for both men. And then let's run it back. Just until they are both ground into a fine powder. That's that that point we will finally stop doing it. And this one, Jason Knight seemed like stayed a little more disciplined from what I saw and from what I read afterwards, and that was kind of his goal. And then got the stoppage. And now, do you think Jason Knight goes home, Hick Diaz, and he's like, This is what I was born to do. All that other MMA stuff, it was but a preamble to my life as a modern bare knuckle boxer. Everybody on any bare knuckle boxing card anywhere goes home hoping that the check will clear and that's it right well i mean the bkfc people have a pretty good reputation at this point yeah i'm just saying the people who are doing the the bare knuckle boxing are doing it for the money right even rowdy beck rawlings who seem to embrace bare knuckle boxing 
as much or more than anyone as soon as the had she had the opportunity went back to MMA. You think if the UFC calls up and is like, "Hey Jason Knight, we like what you've been doing. We like what we've been seeing. We we saw some clips on Twitter and we want to sign you again. Come back over here and be a, a middling middle of the pack guy until you get, you know, taken down and choked out a couple times and then we have no more use for you." You think he says yes to that instead of staying around and being the goddamn king of bare knuckle? I'm saying it is an entirely financial question. There are probably zero other factors at play. Just saying you're in the bare fisted world. You're a superstar. And the UFC is just another guy. Are you though? Are you a superstar? Because you are what passes for a superstar. Have, have we reached the point this weekend when you put on Jason Knight versus Artem Lobov too? Have we reached the point that almost no one officially cares. I'll tell you one thing right now. At the end of Saturday night, I was upset with my decision to watch UFC Sao Paulo instead of bare knuckle boxing. Maybe UFC Sao Paulo is the best thing that happened to BKFC. Mm-hmm. Maybe or suddenly maybe BKFC could have scheduled their shit in this three week lull and done a little better. Who knows? Number two this week, Ben. Speaking of people who appear to have fully embraced the world of bare knuckle boxing. They put a heavyweight title, some manner of heavyweight title, on Joey Beltran at this event. Went out there and beat Chase Sherman. Yeah, they didn't put the title on him. He, he went won- out there and he took the title. That's true. He won it. He or won the it. Vanilla Gorilla, Chase Sherman. The uh the BKFC title belts are actually kind of cool. I will give them that. They uh they got very old school look. Looks like they've embraced the... Uh, like the Police Gazette belt type idea? Yeah. Well, I remember going to that first BKFC event. Joey Beltran fought on that one and had kind of the standout fight of the night in that one and won a decision and was just facially a goddamn mess at the end of it, but also absolutely fucking loved it and was like, when's the next one? When can I come back and do this? So I guess I'm not that surprised to find out that Joey Beltran has found himself a new life in bare knuckle boxing. Actually, God damn it, brings a brings joy to my heart to find that out. He's found his lane. Yeah, that's what he's into. And why not? Number one this week. Number ben. one. We are so sorry for you, Ross Pearson. Oh, this was sad. This was like the biggest happening of the weekend. This thing was floating around my timeline for a solid forty-eight hours. With good reason, yeah, I would say. You don't see one of these every day. Ross Pearson gets knocked out with a weird rolling thunder style cartwheel kick. It just, I mean, you you expect to see maybe something like that from the small circuit against two dudes, two dudes you never heard of. One of them gets caught with that, whatever. But for it to happen to Ross Pearson, you're just like, oh man, that the heart breaks. For Ross Pearson there, because you're you're instantly a highlight, and that one it got him cold too. Yeah, like a, the way he drops, arms akimbo, flying all over the place. This happened in the third round. This event was MTK MMA Probellum. Probellum, according to uh, the MMA Junkie story by Nolan King, the blue corner that the, I'm looking at here. The uh, the Pictures of it, the still photos of it, are almost more remarkable yeah. than the actual video. Because it's like, the first one, you can see the guy flipping over, that heel's coming down at him. And Ross Pearson looks like he's looking right at that leg that's coming at him. Yeah. But the face that he's making is like, ah, oh, damn it. Yeah, he's make, he's clearly making an oh no face. <laughs> yes. And you'd think maybe there's time to do something about it, but no, it can't quite get out of the way. And then gets knocked stiffed by it. I mean, imagine how pissed off Ross Pearson must have been when he woke up and realized what happened. I mean, yes, extremely pissed off. Here is the tough question. You know I'm going to ask you the tough questions here on the Power Hour, here during the Power Rankings. Are you going to use the words real estate license? (laughs) No. (laughs) Knockout of the year. Was it Jorge Masvidal over Ben Askren, or is it Davey Gallen? KOs Ross Pearson 
with a rolling thunder cartwheel kick. Which one? Knockout of the year. Jorge Masvidal. We got to take into account kind of strength of schedule here. Sheer relevance. Yes. And, I mean, the Rolling Thunder thing is cool and everything, but then so was the flying knee. And to be able to pull it off right at the beginning of a fight. True. He's a, he's a close second place for me right now. Which is saying something since nobody had ever heard of Davy Gallon. There you go. Before this happened. It's one way to make sure people have to find out who you are. The other way is to be a uh, Persian Hercules. And people got to look you up on the gram. Davy Gallon versus Persian Hercules. Bare Knuckle FC. Book it. Book it. That's money. Money just raining down from the ceiling. I don't know. I mean, you put him in a boxing event, you take away one of his best weapons. Rolling Thunder Heels. For kick. all we know, you take away all of the Persian <laughs> Hulk's weapons. <laughs> I'd be interested in a, a, just some bullet points on what those weapons are. Bear hug. See... If he's a Street Fighter 2 character, then yeah, sure. Uh, the the Persian Hercules can do some work. Bare knuckle boxing, limiting rule structure for him. I would like to see some moving footage of the the Persian Hulk getting around, Me moving around. Versus him, the mile run will do it at a high school track. You can be you can keep the stopwatch. Just stand there in a in a sweatsuit with a towel draped around your neck with a stopwatch and a clipboard. Yeah. And uh, I'm loving this so far. Yeah. We'll charge 50 bucks for it on pay-per-view. Four, four times around the track. Uh-huh. What if, what if he wins? What if you're astounded by how fleet of foot the Persian Hercules is? It's a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> and then the deadlift competition is after that. Oh, right? damn it. Okay. I mean, if he's going to meet you in your world... You gotta, you gotta do, do him a solid. Fine, but then, just in case we split those two, the tiebreaker will be a spelling bee. In which language? Persian. Why are you doing this? You put me in. You put me with the clipboard and the <laughs> the stopwatch, man. I'm in charge of this thing. I'm just trying to make sure we have a fair. Fine, we'll we'll settle it with Pictionary. Fair competition here. The, inter- the universal language. That's it. We did it. We counted them down. Oh God! From fourteen to one. Powerful happenings over the weekend. What a week. In mixed martial arts. We're just getting started. This is the beginning of the week. We still got uh, the Patreon live chat on Wednesday. We're going to be recording an episode of the Movie Club about Grizzly Man also on Wednesday. That's for $10 patrons only. We'll be back on Friday for the uh, Patreon Power Hour once again. Who knows what's going to happen there aside from Sir Nigel Longstock apparently showing his face. According to the missive. And uh, I don't know. I feel I feel weak. It's probably from blood loss. Am I bleeding? I'm bleeding a lot. You see, how much blood have I lost? Would you say? It looks Just like one of your hour. daughters scratched you. That's what it looks like between it's, the eyes. It's kind of you to be so generous. Like you had a uh, a run in with a fingernail see, clipper. This is this is what a true friend is, ladies and gentlemen. Somebody who will just tell you it's fine. It's fine. You don't. You haven't lost. All your glorious beauty. I appreciate you saying that. Also, I'm out next week. What? What? I'm traveling. You're going to drop this on us now? When else would I drop it? At the end of the show? Yeah. A bunch of horse shit. Now we'll know who listened to the end and who didn't. Where are you going? I'm on the road. Where are you going on the road? going with my family out to the coast to have Thanksgiving with my brother. The Oregon coast? The Oregon coast. Going to Oregon. Oregon. That's what you're saying. Hopefully no one dies of dysentery. No, there's... There's no way you'll all make it there and back. How many rivers do you have to ford? We're going to ford numerous rivers. Yeah. It's a mistake. It's always a mistake. That's it for the Comey Event Podcast, though. We'll catch you on uh, Wednesday for all you patrons out there. If you're not a patron yet, consider it. Go over to patreon.com slash Event and sign up. Everyone, even down to the $1 level, can get in for the Wednesday live chat. Yeah. So. And the $1 patrons can also enjoy... The live video streaming version of this podcast. I hear we just got the audio figured out. Yeah. People are saying it sounds crystal clear. And then they can enjoy all the great, hilarious uh, sight gags. That That's that's one definite huge plus. Yeah. Yep. As for right now, we are done. We are through. We are out. Hey, uh, see a plastic surgeon later? There's a chance maybe I'll, I won't be able to salvage all of them, but I might be able to get some. I mean, that seems to me like the whole move is going to have to come up, yeah. because of where the cut is from. Where the cut is from. Yeah, maybe.
Nate Diaz has nothing on this cover. You get a cut man over here. Cut man. Maybe get a helmet that fits? Is that, is that a thing that hasn't come up yet? I mean, I'm just trying to help you out, man. You, yeah, you're 